This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio and the audiobook version of Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner. Bloomsbury Girls is a compelling story of post-war London, a century-old bookstore, and three women determined to find their way in a fast-changing world. Grace must work to support her family following her husband's breakdown in the aftermath of the war, but she is torn between duty to her family and dreams of her own. Brilliant and stylish Vivian has a long list of grievances, the biggest of which is Alec McDonough, the head of fiction. And ambitious Evie was denied an academic position in favor of her less accomplished male rival, and the bookstore is where she plots revenge. Vivian, Grace, and Evie and their complex web of relationships, goals, and dreams are planning a future that is richer and more rewarding than anything society will allow. Award-winning actor Juliette Stevenson narrates this heartwarming audiobook from the internationally best-selling author of the Jane Austen Society. Get Bloomsbury Girls on Audible, Libro FM, or wherever you get audiobooks today. On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women, or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies. We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. Carola Lovering is the best-selling author of the novels Tell Me Lies and Too Good to Be True. She is a graduate of Colorado College, and her work has appeared in New York Magazine, The Cut, Marie Claire, W Magazine, National Geographic, and Yoga Journal, among other publications. Her third novel, Can't Look Away, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, and thanks for bearing with me through that. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Grand so, I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Um, so we're going to ask you a lot of questions about this book and, and your process and all of that. But why don't you start by telling your listeners a little bit about Can't Look Away? Yeah, totally. So Can't Look Away is, in terms of genre, what I'm calling romantic suspense. Um, it is a romantic suspense novel about a woman named Molly. And her story is told in two different timelines that interspersed chapters. So in the first timeline, she is just finishing up grad school. She's in her early twenties, getting her MFA and she wants to be a novelist. She has this kind of private dream of writing a novel and she's living in Brooklyn and she meets a guy named Jake Danner. And Jake is a musician in a very up-and-coming band called Danner Lane, which is starting to gain traction and get more famous around the city. And Molly and Jake meet and fall in love. They think they're going to be together forever. And that is what's happening in the first timeline. And then in the second timeline, which takes place in the present day in 2022, Molly is living in a fictional Connecticut suburb called Flynn Cove, and she's married to a man named Hunter. So right off the bat, we know that she's not ended up with Jake. And Molly 
at this point in her life, she and Hunter have a five-year-old daughter and they're trying really hard to have another baby and having some trouble. And Molly at this stage in her life is happy, but she's feeling a bit lost at the same time. She's unfulfilled. She's not writing anymore. She's teaching yoga, but it's not really fulfilling her professionally. And she's having a hard time connecting with the other women in her town. Doesn't have a lot of friends nearby. Most of her friends are still in Brooklyn. And she meets a woman named Sabrina. Sabrina is a newcomer to the town, Lynn Cove, where Molly lives. And Molly and Sabrina hit it off right away. They become really good friends, have a lot in common. And Molly is just really happy and relieved to finally have this great new friend in her town who she's suddenly spending all this time with. But then we get a third perspective, which is Sabrina's (laughs) voice. And through Sabrina's chapters, we learn that Sabrina is not who Molly thinks she is. She has her own reasons for moving to Flynn Cove, for befriending Molly. Um, She has this whole agenda of her own, which no spoilers, but through Sabrina's chapters, we learn more about, you know, what's really going on and, and why she's in Flynn Cove and why she wants to get close to Molly. And So these interspersing timelines and voices all weave together to tell the story. I don't want to say more. Yes, yes, yes. Spoilers. That's kind of the, the pitch. Yeah. I love when we meet a woman who is so many things, but at this moment that we find her, she's you know, a little, like you said, a little lost, a little down on herself, a little unsure. And you just know that that's ripe for trouble. It's ripe for exploration. It's ripe for the raw, all the wrong kind of things to come into her life. And I, that's very exciting to me. You had me right there. Sabrina. Yes, Yes, exactly. Totally. Yeah. So let's talk about Molly. I mean, you laid it out so well, um, how we first meet her when she's 23 and has just met Jake. But then a few pages later, we have the second timeline. Now she's married, as you said, and, and sort of living a very different life. And I'm not sure there's anyone who can't relate to this idea of growing up and what we choose to let go of, at what cost, to what gain. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Molly and your development of her. Like, how did she come to you? What inspired her? Or maybe any challenges you faced writing her? Yeah. Absolutely. So with Molly, I really wanted to write a character who's caught in between these two different phases of her life. You know, she's caught in between kind of the post-college 20s phase of life where she's surrounded by all of her best friends and they're all working and, you know, the stakes were pretty low and everything was still pretty light and fun and, and life still felt like this endless stream of possibilities Mm, and then her 30s where she's married and settled and has a baby and is sort of confronting the fact that she's chosen the path Mm -hmm. and she's you know living the life that she's chosen and I think I was feeling this personally when I started writing this book Um, I started writing this book in the beginning of 2020 when I was newly married newly pregnant My husband and I had just bought our first house in the suburbs and I just felt 
very like not in a bad way, but just thrown into like this new phase of life very suddenly. Um, Yeah. That's a lot of changes of identity at at once. It was. And I was suddenly like, oh my gosh, you know, one second ago I was living in the city and I was in my twenties and that chapter is sort of closing. And now I'm a wife about to be a mom living in a house. Like, but this is so weird. Kind of what happened. Um, you were adulting, adulting yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> I suddenly found that I was like, I'm a grown up now. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of those feelings that I was having a couple of years ago when I started writing this book went into Molly. I mean, her circumstances are are very different than mine, but went into the, her, her sense of feeling caught in between those two phases. Um, so that's how she came to me. And I mean, in terms of my challenges with her, like, this might not be the answer you're looking for, but from a structural standpoint, I had never written a character in the third person before. Tell Me Lies and Too Good to Be True, both of those books, I wrote all the perspectives from the first person, like saying, you know, I speaking mm. through through the character's yeah. actual voice. And so Molly was the first protagonist I'd written in the third person. And I did that because I wanted to change it up. I wanted to challenge myself, but it was definitely harder for me to convey my main character's interior world through the third person. So that was something like that was just really a challenge for me when I was writing. And I, I wanted to make sure that she came off um, well-rounded and like, we really were feeling her psychology and her, her interior struggle. Yeah. I think that works really well with a character who is lost a little bit. First person can feel too suffocating, like maybe they would be whiny or victimy or all the things that you could fall trapped to there. Third person gives it a little distance, but I think that works because she wasn't very sure who she was in that moment. And so yeah. I think that choice really works. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. It was definitely a fun experiment to do the third person and like just a challenge for me as a writer. I guess another challenge with writing Molly was just making sure that I was, you know, flipping back between these two timelines that I was staying true to kind of her character and who she is as a person, but while also conveying her growth as a character and her maturity. Mm, Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, So another point of view you played with was the second person with Sabrina's chapters. They are written, at least in part, and I this is not a spoiler, because it's very early on, but we know, and I think you already mentioned it, she's talking to Molly as she's kind of explaining her story and, and why she's wanted to be friends with her and, and sought her out. And so how did you make that dis- choice? And um, and how was that writing with that? It's such a creepy, good, suspenseful voice. I loved it. Oh, um, yeah. And I wondered how it was for you. Yeah, Sabrina's chapters and and my decision to write her in the second person that way is really really like the vehicle for suspense in the novel i mean that's those are the chapters when you get the most suspense and it gets really creepy and dark i definitely had joe goldberg in mind i'm sure you guys have read you yeah i love that is one of my favorite books and i just the the voice Mm -hmm. that carolyn katniss created through Joe, like really has always stuck with me. And I, I think it's, it was so effective at being creepy and I wanted to create that same sense of like creepiness. And I, so 
I was thinking of that book. And then I had also read a book. I know you've had them on the podcast, but An Anonymous Girl by Sarah, Sarah Greer Hendricks, mm-hmm. which I had read right around the time I started writing Can't Look Away. And there's, I think it's the therapist in that book is talking in the second person. Like she's talking mm-hmm. to yes. the other character. And I found that really creepy and inspiring. And so I decided to just try it and play around with writing Sabrina that way to really crank up the suspense. Um, and unlike Molly with the third person, you don't have that separation, you know, like you're right there in her head and you know, all of her crazy obsessive thoughts. And so that was really, that was really fun for me. That was like, I was going to say, yeah. was it fun? It yeah. seemed yes. it comes across as if you were having fun there. Yeah. It, Cause it, those were the chapters where I got to be the most creative yeah. Because like I can, you know, I can identify with Molly a little bit, at least a lot more than I can with Sabrina. Like, so when I got to Sabrina's chapters, it's just such a breath of fresh air because I'm like, I don't relate to this character and like the yeah. things that she's doing. I mean, I can relate to the, some of the things that she's feeling, but not the actions that she's taking. And so it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, creative, mm. but like getting your imagination going. Like, what is this dark person and what, what is she hiding? And that's, as a reader, I mean, you, we picked up on that immediately. It was mm. very fun to read. So and glad. Creepy. Definitely, <laughs> definitely some you vibes. Yes. yes. So this book explores one of our favorite themes, uh, the one that got away. Uh, Molly is forced to confront whether Jake, who is so different from her husband, has some sort of like permanent hold on her. Um, he was the one that had encouraged her to pursue her writing. And Molly was comfortable sharing that part of herself that she hadn't shared with anyone else, even sort of on a first date. So the connection between Molly and Jake was intense and immediate. Um, so I sort of have two parts to my question. One was, why did you want to make Jake a songwriter? And as Corinne knows, I once wrote a novel and my main character was Jake and he was a songwriter. So no I, 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 oh yes, no, for real. I was dying when That's I saw this. Crazy. And the, it's totally crazy. So I Love know it. why my Jake was a songwriter, but <laughs> I mean, other than they're just, who doesn't want to be a songwriter? To me, it's just like the perfect thing. But first I want to hear why you wanted to make Jake a songwriter, but then I have another question, but. Okay. Well, first of all, that's such a wild coincidence. So weird. I want to read yeah. about your Jake musician. <laughs> um, I love the music industry. I yeah. always loved music. I used to go to a lot of concerts, not, not so much anymore, but like Almost Famous is my favorite movie of all time. And nice. I just had always kind of wanted to write a character who was a songwriter musician like a hot yeah, guy in a course. band, you know, I just, mine was hot too, just like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, I mean, they have to be right. They yeah. have to be. Um, yes. And they, and they have to write lyrics and write songs to win them back. That's also a yeah. novel, by the way. So oh my gosh. there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, you see it in fiction sometimes. Yeah. It's attractive. And I, it's so attractive. And I, I wanted Jake and Molly to have a connection really based on their creativity and mm. they're they're sort of united by the fact that they're both artists. And I wanted that to be really clear from the beginning because that's something that Molly doesn't have with Hunter. Right. Um, you know, she and Hunter 
really don't have anything in common professionally. And, and this, I think just this commitment to creativity and, and understanding the struggles and the hurdles of, of trying to succeed in a creative field is something that makes Molly feel really close to Jake in a way that, you know, not that she doesn't feel as close to Hunter, but that's something that she doesn't have with her husband. Right. She has only, yeah. she has that with her past love. Um, right. So that's, I was able to, to write like my hot musician <laughs> while also making that work from like a, a relationship standpoint. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And how about this, the one that got away? I mean, it's, it is my favorite theme. And so I wanted to know what you think it is about first love that sticks with us. Yeah. I mean, it's such a theme in fiction and in TV and movies. It really is. I see, I don't feel like I have a one that got away. Like anyone that got away, I feel like, thank God they it got was away. Over. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Kate yep. and I talk about this and debate it and, and Endlessly. what, right. And what the one that got away, is it just that, was it supposed to be just there? Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I have a, <laughs> an ex who was a songwriter and uh, in a band and in college, we used to all go see him play. And we had a very intense, amazing relationship and it just wasn't meant to go on beyond what it did and so, so it went away yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah. like bye-bye yeah 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 but whether you relate to that or not I think the idea of it, it's not really debatable whether that first love has an important part in your life I mean it's a time in your life when you're kind of just getting your adult legs whatever you know whether that's 18 or 22 or 25 whenever you're really feeling like this is me growing into who I am and if the person there and especially if like Jake and Molly had a creative connection and could understand each other in that way like of course it of feels course. like of course yeah yeah and yeah. I think it's just I think when you're young and vulnerable and impressionable like it just feels all that much more intense and also like thinking Molly thinking about Jake Molly's also sort of thinking about that version of herself Exactly. That's what I think. You Mm -hmm. know? Um, Yeah. And that, that snapshot of who she was and who the possibilities she felt in that moment are sort of, are sort of locked in there with her feelings for Jake. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a huge part of it, of why people kind of have the one that got away and feel that strong connection to their first love. Yeah. yeah. So Corinne nailed this on a conversation we were having where I was saying uh, that my favorite stories are the one that got away, but in which, you know, the protagonist finds herself through this love, some version of herself um, through the love. And so Corinne's like, so the one that got away is you. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yes. So <laughs> the, it, it's you being you, the individual. That's what really got away. Yeah, this person or relationship just unlocks it for you, and so yeah, yeah she put me on the couch and figured yeah. that out. That's, that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but it's exactly like what you're saying with Molly yes, too. She's feeling exactly. lost. She's not sure, and when she thinks about that time in her life, she was sure. And like you said earlier, there was so much potential. Everything was still 
an option and her life could have been so many things. And as you make more choices and doors close, it can feel like, did I make the right ones? Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. 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 So another one of our favorite themes on this podcast is mother daughter relationships. And there's a lot of themes around motherhood. And I'm not going to say too much about that because there's a lot of different themes about wanting to be a mother, being a mother, what it means to be a family, um, a, a lot of themes in this book and can't look away. And then also, obviously, in Tell Me Lies, very famously, Lucy's telling about her mother and that fraught relationship. Are you interested in mothers and daughters? Where do you think that comes from? Is it just a popular thing? Or does it always speak to you like it does to us? Because it doesn't matter. Like the evil mothers, the great mothers, we want to explore all of it. There's just nothing like that relationship. I totally agree. And yes, it's a relationship that is so, well, first of all, meaningful to me, but also layered and interesting and complex. And one that I think is just so lends itself to to so much in, in writing. I mean, I'm incredibly close with my mom. She's my best friend, but we, you know, we did not always have this. And, and that's a lot of that went into tell me lies. I mean, <laughs> I'll have to say like, there's a lot of fictional elements of the mother daughter relationship and tell me lies. Like my mom did not have an affair. She's always like, you need to make sure people know that I didn't have an affair. <laughs> but I think that that, that fraught relationship, that tension that ultimately kind of they break through that and, and realize how much they love each other. I mean, to me, like that's the love story and tell me lies is the mother daughter relationship. And it's just, it's just everything to me. It's such an important relationship in my life. And I always end up writing about it in my books, some more than others, but I just think that, you know, there, there's so much to say about that. I know you guys did a podcast on the lost daughter, which I actually oh. read. I, I read, watched mm. that after listening to your episode. Oh, jeez. Um, and I just, there's so much, there's just so oh. much to say. And <laughs> there, it's, it's endless. It's endless. endless. And like the mother daughter relationship is, is incredibly important to me. It's definitely like one of the most meaningful relationships in my life hands down. So I wanted, yeah. And now that, I mean, now that I'm a mom too, like I think that motherhood will always find a way into whatever I write. I don't really see how it could be any other way now, just Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. looking at life through that lens. Uh, But I just, I love reading about mother daughter relationships in fiction and, and in pop culture. So yeah, it's really beautiful. Us too. I mean, and and like you were saying about Tell Me Lies, there always has to be a reckoning. You're you're so close with your mother, you expect, not you, anyone, if you're so close with your mother, and it becomes like such a reliable relationship. And then you have to break away and kind of become your own person. And that can, I think some people have an easier time. I did not. (laughs) I, but and some totally. people don't. It, it's a. Yeah. It can be a struggle, but it's a really important, I think, part of the growth of becoming your own person. And I have a daughter now, and I'm terrified of that because right now she looks up to me and she listens to everything I say and she wants my advice for everything and I comfort her and all of it. And it's just, I know, 
I do want her to do that. I do want her to break away, but I'm like, oh, it's going to be miserable. But you know, yeah, you know what's coming. I mean, I'm, I'm pregnant with a, my daughter and we're having a girl. And so I think about that oh. a lot too, like how much this relationship has meant to me with my mom, but also how hard it's been and how hard it's been for her because, you know, there was such a long period where I did push her away when I was in high school and college in my early 20s. I really did. And I... I didn't make it easy for her. And then I found my way back to her. And same, now same. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. It's and so you kind yeah, of you just I just have to white knuckle those years, whatever they are and hope I can not I I hope and now we're getting into a completely different podcast here. But I hope I can just I'm sorry. I just hope I can just not take it personally because I I think mm-hmm. I've talked to enough people I experienced it and I also didn't feel like I hated my mom or didn't it was just something I needed to go through and so yeah I hope it's gonna be hard I won't take it personally take yeah it I'm personally. gonna no it's white knuckle for sure I'm gonna have okay, to rely I'm gonna on remind something. you of this but that's gonna be hard yeah it's good. how old sure. is your daughter now she is 10 yeah. okay so you have some yeah. time I do. I do. I'm in the sweet spot. She comes to me with everything, like her first crush and what should she do? She's uh, my honorary daughter. No, what is she? My soul family daughter, something, because I don't have any girls and both like leopard print and everything. We're just like, I'm like, can I talk to Kyler, please? Yeah. No. Um, And I'll be like, Kate, she's doing this and I don't understand it. Can you help me? And oh, Kate's like, oh, I do that too. Yeah. Yeah, You need to just help her do this or... It's, You're like yeah. the very godmother. She I guess so. Absolutely is. <laughs> I, I am like scratching my head sometimes. Like, what is she doing? Why is she doing this? Mm-hmm. Like ignoring this or whatever? And Kate would be like, oh, no. Yeah, this yeah. is part of the process. I'm yeah. so excited because <laughs> yeah. I only have the boys and I don't. It's not the same. So. Yeah. I love the boys, though, uh, too. Yes. I know. Oh, yes. I know. Yes. Very cute. Yes. Although the oldest is almost 15, so he's not so cute anymore. But he's still <laughs> very sweet. Oh, he's yes. very sweet. Yes. Um, he is. Um, so as we're getting personal here, as my segue into the article you wrote recently for Marie Claire, which I thought was so good. It was a very personal story about you juggling the demands of motherhood and life and writing and how overwhelming it can all feel. And in the article, you talked about a car accident Mm -hmm. that uh, you caused because you ran a red light as a result of essentially what I just said, being overwhelmed and distracted, which I can totally relate to, particularly when driving. I just completely zone out because of everything I'm thinking about. So now I have your article (laughs) in my head, like pay attention, Kate. But you wrote in it, In the months since my car accident, I found myself thinking about ambition in depth. How, as life gets busier, crammed with so much, ambition becomes more an act of prioritizing than anything else, the boiling down of what matters enough to be considered non-negotiable. And I loved that line. So I wanted uh, to see if you could share a little bit about the experience that you wrote about and the lessons that you took away about ambition. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that this article is resonating with so many people. I mean, even whether or not you have kids or whatever, I think just a lot of people can relate to that feeling of of being saturated and overwhelmed. And so it's Mm -hmm. been really nice to have honest conversations with, with friends and, and just like not even friends, just people who've messaged me saying how much they felt 
the article. And yeah, I, I really needed to write that, that essay because I think I didn't realize how kind of overwhelmed and saturated I was feeling until I got in that car crash. And then it was like, you know, something, something traumatic like that happens and the boiling down of what actually matters becomes clear. And I just, I actually wrote it the afternoon. I got, I got in the car crash in the morning and I wrote a draft of the article that day, that afternoon, because it was all so fresh. And I was like, I just need to get this out. Like I have so many thoughts right now and I just, I want to get it out. But yeah, it was important to me to kind of have this conversation and, and reckoning with myself that I think at a certain point you realize you can't do everything anymore and you can't like I was trying to do so many things and since that happened a few months ago now I've realized like how important it is to say no and how important it is to take things off my plate um and I think that's really hard to do Mm. for women for, for anyone I mean you know, you want to show up for people, you want to show up for your family, for your friends, for work, for your kids, but it's impossible. And so I, you know, that line that I wrote about ambition, I really feel that I feel like, I I think, I also think on Instagram and with social media, we we can see women and, and pictures make it seem like people are doing everything, doing great and have these perfect marriages and these perfect relationships with with motherhood and it's not actually like that. And I just felt like I, this, this intense urge to get really honest about that for me. And it's really helped me to write that piece and to kind of have these, these months since where, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out. Um, I haven't arrived anywhere. I haven't arrived at any answer and I'm I'm still (laughs) learning like how to take stuff off my plate and and do less and prioritize. But it's a journey and um, it is it's yeah it's a journey and it's complicated because prioritizing is something that Kate and I are both very good at and it's a really important part of it but it's not the whole thing delegating i am terrible at delegating kate is good at that i've seen how that's that saves her and i lose out on that um <laughs> but there's also for me and maybe this is the flip side of delegating I find that sometimes it's hard for people to help me. And maybe that's because I'm so used to not like reaching out for help or asking for help, or maybe my help is more emotional or like, I just, it's not all the things always. It's like the weight I carry. And sometimes I feel like I will reach out and like, I'm met with like frozen faith, like what? Or, or like, oh, it'll be fine because of course it's fine. It's always fine. You're fine. The helper doesn't need help. Right. And so I find I maybe I I don't maybe that's just me, but it's like I understand that that's on me, but I do feel like I'm hard to help, and so Mm -hmm. then what what do I do? I don't figure that out. I just do it. I just keep doing (laughs) it, right? I just so I mean I don't know. Those are my those are my I guess barriers too. It's not just prioritizing because I do feel like I've gotten better at that. How you doing at saying no? I'm not yeah. doing any better at that. I, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I am good. I'm so very good at saying no. Yeah, I am not, very I'm good. I need to work so on that, that one. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy. It's, it's not. not. Especially when you have like no real excuse, but you still <laughs> feel like you just, I mean, if you have a night, like yeah. a week where you have, you know, something every single night and you don't want to have that, even if you're free one night, like 
you still want to say no. 100% me. Yes. Mm -hmm. If there's a direct conflict or I literally cannot do the other thing, I can say no. But I'm like, well, I don't have any reason not to. And then suddenly, like you said, then you've jammed your whole day and you're like, well, how did I end up like this? Oh, well, that's how. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. the driving, like the car accident thing, like that, I'm not kidding. I can absolutely see that happening to me. Like because of the pandemic, I am now working from home and I used to not drive at all. I mean, I go to work 12 hours a day. I I took a train. I literally would drive five minutes. Now I'm in the car all the time, but I'm still working. I'm still doing the pocket. I still have a thousand things in my head, which when I was sitting on a train, who cares? I can't cause any harm. I can spin my wheels all day long. I get behind that wheel. I've say to my son, like I said, who's about to drive in a year, do not be like me. Yeah, I, he'll be like, "Mom, mom, you missed the turn. Mom, we have to go pick up so and so. Mom, you've got because I'm just like this, because everything's going. So when you described like how you saw green light, just you just your yeah. mind just said it was green. Yeah, yeah, because it just I could see that. I'd be like, I have no idea, officer. I don't know what color the light was yeah. because. I was in another world <laughs> yeah. thinking about the thousands of things yeah. and yeah. I just could so see it happening. <laughs> yeah. But then it's hopefully, scary. yes, I'd have this. It is scary. Mm-hmm. It is. But yeah. it was a wake up call for me too. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Huge, I'm glad. A huge wake up call for me too to slow down in, in all the ways, more ways yes. than less. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about your writing process. I loved hearing that you went and wrote that article the same day, that essay the same day. You were like, this is fresh. I got to do this. But writing a novel is not like that. No. Um, and you <laughs> and you have come in your three novels from a different life almost, like single, living in the city, to um, now uh, having a toddler, uh, being pregnant with your second, living in a house, suburbs, the whole life um a different life how has your writing process changed and and we could talk about that logistically i mean you have less time or you're more structured or less structured um but also existentially like do you want to explore other themes have the themes that you've always wanted to explore just gotten stronger for you i'd love to hear you um talk a little about that yeah cuz it's a stark difference from from your first to your to now and are you writing a fourth is yes. it done yeah i'm writing yes. a fourth i'm in the middle of it but i well first of all thank you for for phrasing the the question like that because i feel like whenever i do a podcast or or like an event and get asked about process i sort of have to preface it by saying what you just said which is that my process has been so different for every book yeah. because <laughs> yeah. my life has been so different. Like the circumstances um, of my life for each book, like with tell me lies, I was single, but I was also working a full-time job in another industry. And so I could only write at night and on the weekends, but at the same time, it was my debut. I didn't have like a book deal or anything. So there was no deadline. I was like, I'll work on this and it's done when it's done. You know, there was nothing, there was no pressure, not the same pressure that you feel kind of, I think once you get more established and then with too good to be true, I was not yet married and and I had a lot more flexibility with that book because at that point I, I was able to stop working my other job and I was teaching yoga part-time, but writing full-time and I, you know, I had, all day to write, all night if I wanted. I could totally choose whenever the creative juices were flowing. And that was great in retrospect. It's something that I don't 
have now. And then with Can't Look Away, I started writing it when I was newly pregnant. And I finished the first draft right before my son was born. And that was really important to me to do because I was really worried about Mm. drafting something fresh with Mm -hmm. a baby because I just had no idea what it was going to be like to have a baby. I had no idea if I was going to be able to like ever write another word again. Um, There was just so much uncertainty. And so I really did my best to, to draft that before he was born. And I was able to do that probably largely because it was 2020 and the pandemic hit and everyone was home and everything was canceled. And then I edited that book while he was a newborn, which now in retrospect, I'm like, when they're newborns, they can't move. You can just yeah. like, put them on the couch There's and work. <laughs> a lot less trouble you can get in. Yeah. And so now working on book four um, is the first time that I'm really drafting something from scratch with a baby in the house. And that's been really hard. And it's really shaken up my process. We're really lucky to have a part-time nanny and she's here 20 hours a week. So when she's here, like that's when I'm working. And the biggest difference is that before I could write whenever I felt like it. And if I was feeling tired or I was feeling like I wanted to go take a walk or yoga class and write later, I could do that. But now it's like, the hours that yeah. our babysitter is here is when like my butt is in the chair and I'm at the computer and I have to get the words in and there's no, there's no option. There's Waiting. no choice. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not going to happen yeah. later. It's going to happen now. And that has been hard because I don't know. I mean, is it possible to force creativity? Like I didn't used to think so, but now I, I think that, you know, you can make it happen. It's been a real process and it's one that I'm kind of, just figuring out. Um, I never used to be the kind of writer that thought about word count. I never used to like even know how many words I wrote in a day, but now it helps me to have a goal. So like I try to do a thousand words a day when I'm on the days that I'm working. And if I can do a thousand words a day, which which usually I I do a little more, maybe like 1200 or 1500. If I can do that, I'll stay on track. And that for me, having that metric right now just with the craziness of, of life mm-hmm. really helps <laughs> yeah um, but that's totally changed I mean I never used to, I never used to be like that yeah so the process has really been different um, for each one yeah for each yeah. one yeah and <laughs> I think you know writing is still I still feel so lucky to be able to do it and to be able mm. to be like having having this career that feels like a calling, even though mm-hmm. it's totally different now that I have kids. You know, I think it is it actually is really great as a flexible career to to be able to mother at the same time. So I feel really lucky about that. I mean in terms of the themes in my books, they've kind of stayed close. Yeah. They've not kind yeah. of quite stayed the same. I mean I'm really interested in writing about dysfunctional relationships. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> toxicity, obsession yes, are all things that continue to interest me and are in book four as well. I don't know if that'll change, but so far that seems to be my, yeah. my vibe as a writer. I have said that I used to cause a lot of chaos and drama in my life, and now I have a good 
simple, easy life that I'm very happy with. And I like to cause drama and trouble in writing. <laughs> so yeah, 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 exactly. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last month, um, we saw um, on your Instagram that you were down in Atlanta. Would you care to tell us the exciting reason why? Uh, yes, I got to go to the set of Tell Me Lies oh, in Atlanta. So exciting. Uh. Yeah. Which was, was so surreal. I um, saw you had a chair, your name on it. I mean, did you die? Like that's that's amazing. Yes, I died. I'm <laughs> still like somewhere up above, and I have not yet floated back down. It is. It's just. Good. It continues to be incredibly surreal. Um, but it was. I know. I saw my name on the chair, and I was just like, "What is happening? This is not real. Mm, this is yeah. not oh a real God. situation." It was incredible it, it really gave me like a whole new appreciation for movies and tv and just how much work goes into to filming and behind the scenes mm-hmm. um but i'm just i was so grateful to get a glimpse at what they're working on the cast is so talented i was just oh, in, in awe loved- watching them yeah, we loved Grace and Nine Perfect Strangers. So excited to see her. So yeah, she is yeah. an incredibly talented actress. Like, mm, I yeah. was really blown away watching her. Um, she's going to be great. I'm just so That's, excited for the show. Yeah, and do you know when is it? Do we know a release date? Um, I don't have. A, they don't have a release date yet, but I'm told it's going to air later this year. Oh, so that's good. It's I, I don't know what month, but yeah. it'll definitely be yeah. 2022. Yeah. Right. And how oh, do you feel great. about having your baby manipulated and, and put out in a different way, right? That That is different from the book. Just because, you know, I'm not saying plot-wise or anything, but just saying having it be on the adaptation. screen. Exactly. Yeah. And on the screen and seeing it come to life. Is it mixed feelings? I mean, most of all, it's just, the greatest gift and it just makes me feel insanely lucky that this is happening to my book um i mean they are you know things are being changed but really like the producers and and megan oppenheimer the the writer and showrunner they've done such an incredible job of of sticking to the heart of the book even though different plot points are being elaborated and, and created to make to make the whole thing more cinematic um, for television. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like it's, I just feel so grateful and lucky that, you know, I, I think the show will hopefully connect more people with the story and the book, which mm-hmm. is what I wanted when I wrote it. You know, I want yeah. this story to reach its readers, its people. And so it is kind of funny to see things change and, and be manipulated, but I'm not, mm-hmm. I've never been, like, oh, I'm upset about that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've yeah. been like, oh, that makes sense. You know, that makes yeah. sense. A second why. life. Yeah. 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 And that would be, that will work better for TV. I mean, right. TV is a whole different world than it a is. novel. And things that work in a book aren't going to work on the screen and vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's the right attitude to have. It's just, it's got to be just exciting to see it have a, another life. And I don't know. I'm not even talking about that, like Little Fires Everywhere, that was completely different. And yet I thought it still stayed true to what the book was trying to convey, but there were so many differences. And 
I thought it was exciting. It didn't feel like a betrayal of the book. So if you don't get that far, then it's actually kind of cool. You're like, wow, look at this. That was in my source material somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That book was different, but it also felt very similar to like the main storyline for sure. Oh, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It just felt like they had found little nuggets in the material that they could make into something different and something interesting to watch. Um, And then also a limited series is a lot of content. So they added more storylines and and conflict. And that was, I thought, just exciting to watch. Yeah. Like for Tommy Lies, I know that it's it's not a limited series. It's it's just a regular series. So they are doing things where they hope that maybe it could continue oh, on. And so perfect. I think that oh. some changes kind of lend themselves to hopefully opening up uh-huh. to potentially more seasons. That's oh, wow. great. That is Those are very good. welcome changes then. Yeah, yes. change away. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> so this can go on want. forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, go on forever. Um, so you had said earlier about how you're drawn to dysfunctional relationships and we already talked about the mother-daughter. I might venture to guess this and I now I already know the answer so I'm backing into it a little bit but we always discuss astrology on this podcast and we know we've looked it up I think you're a cancer is that right yeah so that tracks with that sign (laughs) it really does yes well I'm on the cusp actually yes yes you You are are. Gemini yeah I'm June 21st which on every astrology chart it's different Sometimes I'm a Gemini and sometimes yeah. I'm a Cancer, but I fully identify as a Cancer. Yeah. Um, Do you okay. identify at all as a Gemini? Because also communication and your profession, that tracks with Gemini as well. So, Oh, does it? Of, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know a ton about astrology. You guys would know better yeah. than I do. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I think both of them work for you. Um, my mother is a cancer and so is Kate's mom. So oh, really? Vi- yes, I actually mm-hmm. have quite a bit of, I'm an Aries, but I have quite a bit of cancer in my chart. Like oh. when you look at the all the different planets and where they are, I do have quite a bit of cancer, which makes sense, I guess, if my mother is a cancer, she yeah. gave it to me. This is the toughest sign for me though, because it's my mother. It's like, <laughs> it's like I have, it's like I have a mental block against it. And like people will be like, well, what are the, what are the signs of a cancer? I'm like, I don't know. It's my mother. I like, like, I'm just like, I pointed her as if that explain, it explains nothing. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I know they like home and like, Right, well, like family. Home is, home is family. more Taurus, but yeah, right. yeah, family right. like, is very important. Very important yes. to them, yeah, and, and also I just think of the crabs yes, relationships. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. that and the, the protective shell that's required to protect how soft they are on the inside. They have to have this protective shell. And yeah. yeah, don't yeah. don't get caught up in the pinchers. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so I was having a particularly challenging day with my son, my younger one yesterday, who's a Gemini. Corinne helps me with that because her husband's a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> but then I saw a note on my phone that said boys astrological signs, which are my kids, all their signs, their sun, moon and rising. I forgot that he, the one that's the Gemini that I have trouble with sometimes is a cancer rising. Mm-hmm. Corinne, do we know this? I don't think so. So I think these pinchers yes. get me from every angle that one. <laughs> yeah. I love but it. I love that's, it. Yeah. So is the rising sign, ju- is that just as important as the regular? Yeah. So the sun sign, the rising sign, and the moon sign are the three big 
personality traits. Moon okay. is supposed to be like how you feel on the inside, you know, who you really are on the inside. Sun is just more obviously your personality. And then rising is a lot of, they they say, um, either the glasses that you look through, yeah. the mask that you wear. It's it's described in a, diff- in a bunch of different ways, but those are some pretty good ones. Yeah. The perspective that you see through or the the mask that you wear when you show other people who you are. Okay. It's also, mm-hmm. yeah. But then there's all other planets like Mercury is how you communicate. Mars is how you take action. Venus is how you love. I'd be interested to know your Venus sign. <laughs> so <too>. yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure that there's something in there that also lends to your interest in these relationships. I know because I'm similarly interested. So yeah, um, I'd be, yeah. All you need is your time of birth and you can plug it into anything yes. online. Like your That's exact right. time That's of right. birth. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, no, I have yeah. a friend and, who's very, very interested in astrology and I've given her my time of birth and all of that. And she's um, given me a whole thing. And it's yeah, a it's a lot to, to find it. And it's a lot to take in. You really have to be able to break it up and think about what you're, what you're focused on right now. Like what you'd be interested in knowing more about. The first thing I learned was I'm an Aries sun, but a Capricorn moon. And so I've always felt like these two very different personalities in me. And that was a big revelation for me because Capricorn is so structured and disciplined and grounded and um, rigorous. And Aries is like, yeah, whatever, you know, flexible and cardinal and do everything however you want to do it and light the world on fire. Yeah. yeah. So I always felt so torn and that was a big revelation and then it spiraled since there. Then she realized her insides don't match. I mean, <laughs> yeah, with it. Like she was being she's complicated. Yes, torn. Yes. I'm just I'm just Leo all over my chart. Yes. It's oh. there's very little, yeah. You're Leo. Very little. <laughs> yes, inside outside I have like more Leo in in on my chart and like I have do have an astrologer he's like I don't think I've ever seen this much Leo on one chart I'm like oh my gosh yeah well we should talk then because my son is Leo and my daughter will also be a Leo so I'm gonna have two Leos in the house oh there's not enough room for two Leos in one house I'm just telling you I'm a little nervous where will we fit all the personality okay that's gonna be fun that's fantastic yes that's awesome yes um, so before yeah. we oh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. no oh I was just gonna say before we let you leave we have to ask uh, what you're loving right now if you are watching anything reading anything podcast TV shows movies books that you are kind of into and also for can't look away any songs oh there you go <laughs> Molly's song oh. is not yet playing so Molly's song by Dan Lee. <laughs> yes. I'm really into that right now yeah it's such a good song I wish I could listen to it <laughs> um books so I some of my favorites lately I just read the love of my life by Rosie Walsh which I know you guys have oh. on podcast so Such a good, good book. So oh, we recommend good. that to everyone. Yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. I do too. Yeah, I, yes. yeah. I recommended it to you when at Erica's. You party. did. Oh, yes. That's yes. Right. yes. No, yes. you're right. Because we don't. I just mean to say we never shut up about it. It's a good book. Yes, mm, and actually, yeah. you are the one who recommended it to me because I remember that now. That was in February, and then I we have Rosie Walsh and I have the same agent. So then I, oh, I emailed yes, my agent. Right. I was like, can you send me Rosie's book? Like, oh, yay. <laughs> um, yay. But I loved yay. it. I loved how it, it kind of touched all these different genres. So good. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I read a book recently called The Wild One by Colleen McKeegan. Mm -hmm. That is a debut and it's coming out the same day as Can't Look Away, June 14th. It's just a really great like thriller suspense that is super well plotted and well paced. Also just really interesting, well-rounded characters. And I couldn't put it down. Loved that. Oh, I love that. Um, And then I also read a book called A Novel Obsession. You guys read that one? No, Um, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it came out in March. um, And the author actually, I went to college with the author, but we didn't overlap. But she's a few years younger than me. And it's a book about a woman who is trying to be a novelist. And in pursuit of her art, she starts stalking her boyfriend's ex-girlfriend who's an editor um and it's just very psychological very uh voice driven it's really good wow so recommend that one and then for tv my husband and i have been watching we crashed oh the we work one right yeah the we work one on on apple tv i think it's on apple tv and it's really interesting with jared leto the name yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and that's been really interesting and the acting is great but i feel like i have so much catching up to do on tv Mm -hmm. i just i always i mostly end up reading at night yeah so there's so many it's endless the shows there's so much good content tv even for us who do this right i mean there's still more things we can't watch there's just there's only so much yeah Yeah, but it's also good Yes. And it also doesn't go away. So you'll, you can just be like five years from now. Oh, I loved that thing that came out in 2022. Totally. But one that I definitely will prioritize watching, which I knew you guys did a post about is Sally Rooney's new show. Um, Oh boy. Oh yeah. We're ready. Yeah. I I loved that book. Her first book. Mm -hmm. So I will be dropping everything to watch that so will so we will we have we. the day blocked off yeah. we will be recapping that day <laughs> oh, good. so I will, I will tune yeah in. yes Whew, it's it's a lot that it's book did a, did a number on us too um yeah, so that's like that. the lost daughter in terms of how oh, much we talked about yes. it <laughs> so good yes she's so brilliant yeah yeah i know well thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today we love your books and can't look away is another winner and so um we really appreciate you taking the time thank you guys so much for having me this has been so much fun good Good. thank you this has been pop fiction women with corinne and kate if you enjoyed this show please tell the complicated women in your life and the men who love them Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore Women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com and keep it complicated.